the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Welcome to tonight's Andrea K Show on this Taco Tuesday. Oh, and what a day it is! I was busy during this morning, and I was getting seeing some messages, some emails from some listeners about the Fannie Willis. Nathan Wade saga that was continuing in the ATL today. Mm, mm, mm. And we're going to give you guys the lowdown on the hoedown that was taking place, that has been taking place down there in GA. We got that to get into. Evidently, Speaker Johnson had a sit down with Mitch McConnell and Oh, Hakeem Jeffries and others regarding a border deal and really, which is really about a Ukraine funding deal. So we're going to give you a little update on that. We've got some other stories to get into tonight. Before we go any further, I got to bring in this guy though. He's the one and only. He's your nutritional. I'm like the, I'm the meat and taters, right? He's the side dish of the veggie the veggie variety. He is none other than DJ Sesame Broccolini. I think this is one of the traits of a really good producer. Keep the talent happy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Keep talking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just happy it's Taco Tuesday. I'll tell you that yeah. much. That, that's enough for me. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking about tacos. I, I am visualizing in my mind right now some, I just don't know where to go. I don't know. Are there some good? What, what? What? Where do you go to get your tacos these days? You don't want to hear going? because because I consider roll tacos tacos. Oh, uh, all right. Yeah, all right. I love I love the um, street tacos. They call them minis on the menu. It used to be Santana's at the old Taco Bell. It was a Taco Bell and PB uh, at, on Grand Ave. Then it turned into, uh, Santana's. I don't know if it's still Santana's, but they have the most amazing little Carnita street tacos mm. with cilantro and pico de gallo. And they're absolutely with a side of beans and rice. They're absolutely mm. amazing. Those are my favorite. I can't eat all three. So then I save the leftover Carnitas and the next day, um, I make eggs with the wow. Carnitas. So That's those are really, idea. those are my favorite, favorite tacos in San Diego at Santana's. And in fact, when the real, not real world, uh, was it real world? When the real world, uh, MTV's real world uh, came and did a season, they had them living down in Point Loma and the crew, the cast got obsessed with the Santana's burritos at the Santana's in Point Loma. So if you've never been to Santana's, let me tell you, that's the taco to eat. Um, Speaking of yummy, let's just talk about what went on in the courtroom today with um, Fannie Willis. And well, actually, Fannie wasn't in the courtroom today, but Nathan Wade, uh, his ex-divorce lawyer, was on the stand. And it it was actually interesting because 
uh, Leo Terrell. Uh, I, I know I've known Leo Terrell as a political commentator. I've known him as a far lefty guy. I was on many times when he would fill in for, I think it was Dr. Drew at KABC up in LA. I would call in and I just loved going on when, when Leo was the guest host there. He had, I, I want to play him first. What I didn't know is that he's an attorney. And so I want to play this clip from you for you um, setting the stage because he had some, because you might be asking the same thing that I said was, how is it that his attorney, that Nathan Wade's personal divorce attorney could be brought to the stand to testify in a hearing about Fannie Willis's qualifications to be district attorney. And Leo Terrell had an interesting uh, analysis for that. So, Sesame, if you could play Leo uh, Terrell. And let me be clear, uh, Terrence Bradley, he's a lawyer, too. He has an affirmative obligation, John, to be candid with the court. He cannot lie. His bar license is at issue. And for this hearing to take place, that tells us that the judge made a finding in camera behind closed door that there was some evidence that could be testified to that is outside of the attorney-client privilege, as Andy pointed out. This is a very important hearing when you couple the testimony by Bradley and the cell phone records and the uh, other witness who testified of the relationship starting prior to 2020. Yeah. And by the way, it was 12,000 text messages and 2,000 phone calls before he was hired. So um, he Bradley, I guess is his name. He was sweating buckets today. Let me tell you, I know they got AC down in Georgia. I grew up in the deep South. I got family all over the state of Georgia. They got air conditioning down there. You sweating like that when you're under the gun, okay? There ain't enough. I don't care what brand of deodorant you're using. When you are working as hard as he was today, <laughs> uh, doing battle with an attorney and you're, and you're doing battle trying to uh, think on your feet, to try to act, at the same time you're trying to to act nonplussed you're trying to act like you know you're not backed into a corner you're trying not to show your teeth like you're a rat confronted in a corner um you know you start to sweat okay and he was sweating and she had him i'm not sure if i pulled the clip because uh it was a little hard um it was a little hard to tell on the clip no i didn't and the reason why I didn't was because you, you could, the audio wasn't that great. So she's asking him about, and, and I think just to back up for a second, I think that the reason why attorney client privilege didn't count here is because uh, the course of the conversations with his uh, divorce attorney and, Finn, and and Nathan Wade and his divorce attorney in regards to Fannie Willis didn't have anything at all to do with his represent, representation involving his divorce. So it's not technically privileged. I think, I think that's part of what was going on. So um, there was an exchange that took place between Merchant, who is uh, on behalf of Trump and actually working to get her uh, to get her disqualified. So there was an exchange that took place between her and him, and he's and she's asking him, well, uh, and it's confusing. Here's the long story short. There was text messages between, I believe, this attorney merchant and him, 
And he's asking her or somebody's asking him when the relationship started. And I believe it was this attorney merchant. And so she's asking him in a text message, specifically, did this relationship start before he before he was hired as special prosecutor? And he says, absolutely. But they'll deny it. So then on the stand today, she's asking about the text message and he says that he was speculating. And that's the clip that you couldn't really, it was hard to really tell. I had to kind of read the transcripts and now I'm kind of paraphrasing because I, I, I don't have them in front of me. Um, and, 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 and she's like speculating. So, you know, you said clearly in the text message that it was before he was hired. Oh, well, I was speculating at the time. And, you know, that's not lying. That was speculating. As Jonathan Turley said today, famed Democrat attorney, he said, you know, the bottom line is this, that text message exists. All the obfuscations, all the going back and forth, all of him trying to dance and and tiptoe, kind of like if you saw the movie Chicago and Richard Gere is playing the attorney and interspersed with his courtroom, you know, um, actions and, and theatrics. They're showing, they're going back and forth between the courtroom and him tap dancing. That was Bradley today. And all the tap dancing aside, there's the text message. You've got the text message of this attorney who's an officer of the court having said in a text message that he acknowledged exists. Yeah, that's my text message. You've got 12,000 text messages between Fannie Willis and Wade. You've got 2,000 phone calls. They've perjured themselves on the stand. It's clear. It's clear. Game over. Game over. None of them are particularly smart. Did this guy not know that at some point those that text message might show up in the courtroom? <laughs> none of these. Are, <laughs> the reality is none of these people are qualified to be attorneys at all, let alone prosecuting or involved in the prosecution of probably the most important case in this country. The most important case in this country. Anything you want to add, Sesame? I guess you just uh, you can't really underestimate just how thoughtless people can be. You know, it's just it's just so reckless or how arrogant and. and yeah, there's um, hubris and entitlement. The, the and all, hubris. Just, yeah. The no, entitlement. No, no fourth. Like, where is this going? Just no. I, I don't know if this is malice or ignorant or like I, I don't know what's going on. But Fannie Willis really has just um, opened my eyes to how idiotic people can be i mean wow truly she takes the cake honestly well i i I think it's i think there's so much and we've talked about this many times in relation to this case and other and other things going on in this country the sense of entitlement on the part of these lefties whether it's this particular community as condoleezza rice has said when you continue to tell one group that they're aggrieved over and over and over, the twin sister of that is entitlement, and we see that going on. But it's also you give those if you give those same people who have that sense of grievance and entitlement, you give them power, and wow, what are they going to do with it? In fact, um, I might I, I think this might be a good time to take a break because there's also uh, reports coming out about how Fannie Willis abused her power in line with what I was just talking about with grievance and entitlement, how she abused her power against white people 
in her office. So we're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to shift gears. We already know about Fanny the romantic eating lickety split with her boyfriend. We already know Fanny the uh, the entitlement uh, queen feeling like she's she's entitled to hire her boyfriend and then use taxpayer money through her boyfriend to take vacations. But what is it like to be the employee of Fannie Willis? What's boss lady Fannie like? We're going to talk about that when we come back. Andrea Kay, telling you like it is, while eating a donut, too. It's the Andrea Kay Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea Kay Show. Uh, before the break, we were talking about America's favorite sweethearts, right? Uh, Fanny and Nathan Wade. Uh, the hearing uh, resumed down in uh, the ATL today. Y'all thought Nathan Wade was sweating. His ex-divorce attorney took the stand today. <laughs> <laughs> and there was times he had the same look on his face as um, the the guy who had to admit that he had used instant grits in my cousin Vinny. Who remembers that scene? You mean to tell me a grit soaks faster in your kitchen than in any other kitchen in the South? <laughs> uh, sesame broccolini, have you ever seen my cousin Vinny? Once all the way through, but a long, long time ago. I oh mean, like, my gosh! A long one of time the best, ago. one of the best movies ever. They were identical. The district attorney in that uh, in that uh, movie just absolutely kills me. So, uh, so as my cousin Vinny shredded all the alleged eyewitnesses to the crime, uh, the looks on some of their faces of just um, you know having been caught with the pants down uh, was a similar look that, <coughs> excuse me, that Bradley had on his face today. So if you missed any part of uh, the last segment, download the podcast where you ever get your pods. Now we are transitioning to the, what is Fanny like as a boss? You know, the whole boss babe thing. Uh, well, she was a power mad racist is what she was. Anonymous sources have uh, shared with Breitbart News the race training that they were forced to endure uh, with her at the district attorney's office. Um, they wish to remain anonymous for fear of retribution, they said, um, uh, They, but they did want to report on the, quote, corrupt and hostile work environment inside her office. Um they said that she injected racism in the office from the second she was hired. Uh, she um, she used the Harvard website generated implicit uh, bias test and put all of the workers through it. And uh, you can see, well, you can go on Harvard's website. It's the diversity, equity, and inclusion slides uh, that Fannie Willis used. Um, Breitbart has a few of them on their site. And the source says that Willis um, had some guy be live for roughly eight hours. He was a former member of Obama's White House. Oh, gee, Fannie Willis connected to the Obama White House, which is now the, the uh, Biden White House. Um, the training was based upon the idea that the U.S. Uh, was founded on the sins of white men and the slaughter of Native, Native Americans. And the source des described that, you know, he thought it was so wrong. Um, 
it was less about uh, he, the source went on to say that Willis like played it off as though it was diversity training when what it really was was an attack on uh, you know race. It was an attack on white people. One element of the training described by the source was a slide test where users had to choose to move an image of a white person to a block that was bad in order to complete the program. So they've got it. And you can see this on Breitbart because it's confusing to try to describe it. So for so they have a picture of um, so a picture pops up and it's got white people over here and black people over here. And then another picture pops up and it's got bad or white people, good or black people. So uh, I what and I'm seeing it static, but what happens is the image pops up and you're supposed to respond immediately. And if you don't declare that that's a white person and move that white person to the bad box, you get a red X comes up and it tells you that you're wrong and you don't get to move through to the next slide of the training. So basically you've got to identify the bad person as the white person in order to move on to the training. Then you also see hate. The word hate pops up and you, if you don't move the word hate to the quote uh, bad or white people, uh, then you don't get to pass. So that's just a little bit of, and then there's other slides here. Um, like there's a questionnaire. What statement best describes you? I strongly prefer white people to black people. I moderately prefer, slightly prefer, da, da, da. Which statement best describes you? I, uh, you know, I moderately prefer black people. How warm or cold do you feel towards black people? It's just, Oh, and then um, she ranked judges. So see, she's in the district attorney's office, right? So she's putting her little uh, associate assistant district attorneys through this training. So then one of the things that she does to them in this training is she ranks the most racist judges. Um, So, and they've actually got a video on Breitbart. You can watch it uh, to where they're ranking judges. Um, So basically you know, indoctrinating the the minds of these young assistant district attorneys into, you know, who are the judge, uh, who are the best judges. Um, It says that you're set to appear before a judge, but you don't know what to do. Your best bet would be for the judge to be black and male. Black male judges sentence black defendants 10% less time in lockup than whites. Well, isn't that interesting? According to Fannie Willis's own diversity, equity, and inclusion training, white people get less criminal time from black judges than black defendants. But the training goes on. But if the black male judge is Republican, that thinking shifts. No group sentenced uh, black to more time compared to whites than black Republican judges, 69% more time to be exact. Um. So in other words, um, even though black male judges sentenced black defendants to less time than whites, they were considered more fair than Republican judges who um, sentenced black people um, equally to whites. 
Black female judges are the fairest. They sentence black and whites to the same amount of time, but black female judges are also the hardest. They send away both black and whites for far longer than any other member group. So basically, so it goes on and on. Um, what are the odds of getting a black judge? They're not in your favor. Only 28%, only 28 of the more than 450 judges who preside. But by, by the way, all of these stats they used in this training had to do with Florida, not in Georgia. So it's just basically indoctrination. Um, there sh this shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody that we've got a racist, bigoted uh, district attorney who is corrupt, who's a liar, who's grifting and stealing from the taxpayers and is whose entire management and objective and agenda for the district attorney's office is to punish the political opposition. Anything you want to add, Sesame? I just wish so much of this had come to light sooner. Um, Good point. You know, I just can't believe it's taken this long, but I'm glad that it's finally coming to light because you're right. She seems deranged. And to think that she's been able to make a mockery of all of our systems and make a mockery of the DA's office is just, is just sickening. It's, it's really, you know, just a, a betrayal to real Americans out there. And she's, she's busy focusing on this while real criminals get away. That's the, that's the headline too. Real criminals are getting away right now while she focuses all of her time and attention on petty personal vendettas that are, are completely baseless. It's just, it's just disgusting. Yeah, it absolutely is. And so that's a really good point. Where was this source before? Where were, where was the information before? Well, I can tell you um, that as soon as the indictments came down, there was a, a Republican in Georgia who wanted, who uh, actually, I think, I can't remember his name and really what information he had at the time, but he wanted her investigated immediately. And it was Republican Governor uh, Kemp who refused to cooperate as well as the re rest of the Republicans in the state legislature. Um, but, you know, where was everybody else? It, it, it was like open knowledge about this relationship between them. It was, it was, it's like, there was no secret. It's like everybody knew that she had hired her boyfriend, the same boyfriend that sent invoices to the White House, had trips to the White House. I mean, this was like, this was the worst kept secret around. And, and, and prior to any of this coming out, we had Sidney Powell, we had Jenna Ellis, we had others that have actually been bullied into taking plea deals as a part of this. What happens to them now? I, and, and I find it interesting that none of them have been squealing about this. I guess they're being advised by their attorneys to sit back and not say anything. If you guys have any, any insight into that, maybe you're an attorney listening. Maybe you can share with me why you think that is, that they're silent about. Maybe they're like, we're not going to you know, distract from this. She's self-destructing. Uh, they're going down. They're, 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 they're destroying. She's destroying their, their case on their own. We don't need to come forward at this point. Give me your thoughts on that. Email me at andreakshow.com. I know I've got some attorneys listening. What do you think about that, Sesame? Why do you think that Sidney Powell and others, including Mark Meadows, former Trump's chief of staff, um, there, you know, um, he's, tr he's been trying to get the case moved out of Atlanta, but Sidney Powell and, and Jenna Ellis basically threw themselves on the mercy of the court as a result of this and basically admitted wrongdoing. And, you know, when, when this case is likely to be completely blown up, why do you think they haven't spoken up? 
I'm leaning toward it, it. Honestly, it could be cowardice. I don't. I don't know. I mean, maybe they're getting advice and they're and they're being told you shouldn't get involved. Maybe they're maybe someone like Jenna's afraid if she gets involved or says anything on the record or publicly, it could be used against her. I don't know. Um, or you know, maybe it's just something where she just feels defeated, embarrassed, and wants to move on and forget about that chapter for. I don't. I don't know. But I, I do think that it's. If there was ever a time to speak up, it's it's right now, and I feel like everyone yeah. would would agree with you. I mean, this is so brazen and so clearly ridiculous. Fanny's a clown, really, she is. So, I mean, if you've got real grievances or something, it's like I don't. It's just it's not justice. Justice is not being served. None of this is about justice or about truth. So I don't know. I, I mean, I I just feel like I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's yeah. just they're waiting to see what happens yeah. because it's yeah. Still, I think they are. I think they're. I think they're. Fingers crossed. Um, I don't know that. I don't know if this case, if she's considered, I think it's probably because even if she's considered disqualified, uh, this case is going forward and they've already accepted their deal to move on with their life. So, all right, we're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to, we're going to take a a visit back to the border because that continues to be uh, the number one issue tonight. Michigan is actually having a primary tonight. We'll see if, um, We'll check the exit polls and see um, if Michigan agrees with the rest of the country that the invasion that's been orchestrated by the Biden regime is their number one uh, issue as well. Andrea Kay, bringing the world a much-needed reality check. You're listening to The Andrea Kay Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea Kay Show. Glad to have y'all here with me on this Taco Tuesday. All righty. Um, it's Michigan. You know, there's all this talk about uh, Nikki Haley. We've had all this talk about South Carolina. How many of y'all even knew Michigan had a primary today? What's really interesting about Michigan in this primary is it's expected that, you know, Trump's going to get, you know, the delegates. I mean, Trump's basically won the nomination. We know that's that's the deal. What's interesting, if not disturbing, about the Michigan primary that's taking place tonight is um, that thanks to George W. Bush and Barack Obama, uh, dear Bornistan, uh, Michigan, uh, Michigan and Minnesota, have large parts of their states that are, if not Muslim controlled, large poor. I mean, they're literally playing Muslim prayers over the loudspeakers in Dearbornistan, which should not be happening uh, in the United States of America. We've got areas in which entire city councils are uh, controlled and run by Muslims. Well, why is that a problem, Andrea? Well, let me tell you why. Because as we brought refugees here into this country, many of the people that have come here share the same ideology as those that took down the Twin Towers. They hate Jews and they hate Americans. And today, the big story coming out of Michigan is Rashida Tlaib said she was proud to vote uncommitted. And there's images uh, that that is the that uncommitted is really the story coming out of the Michigan primary tonight. That the un, uh, reading here on uh, CNN, uncommitted campaign reflects key voting blocks frustration with Biden, Michigan lawmaker says. This is what happens when you turn large parts of America into, uh, you know, um, a stand. They're angry over 
the Israel, you know, it's not even about Israel, you know, responding to the disgusting terror attack that took place on October 7th and the depraved way in which those terrorists cut up women after they raped them, cut babies out of the wombs, decapitated babies. They, it, it's, it, it's, it, they share the ideology that we have had rallies across this country uh, from the river to the sea. They want more of that. They want genocide of Jews. The only difference between, uh, you know, and quite frankly, that's why the more I think about that Air, Air Force airman who, who burned himself down, uh, burned himself up. I mean, Ben Shapiro, I retweeted him. I saw a tweet he put out yesterday and I saw it today. And he said it should not be controversial that you uh, shouldn't be celebrating somebody that set himself afire to uh, protest a genocide that's not happening in support of a genocidal terrorist group. And the only difference between the airman who lit himself on fire and the pro-Hamas Muslims in Michigan who are voting uncommitted is that they're not willing to set themselves a fire. Now, what they want is they want to do, do things the old fashioned way in America. They want to change this country from within. They want to turn this country into an Islamic state. And that's why they've partnered with the Democrats. And that's why they're threatening to withhold the vote if they don't get their way with Joe Biden. And that's what's going on. And we don't have enough Republicans willing to say the truth about the shared ideology going on. We haven't had Republicans screaming that Democrats blocked laws that would prevent female genital mutilation of little 12-year-old girls. Because what else do the Democrats and the Islamists have in common? The mutilation of children. In Islam... Girls can be married at the age of seven. And the Democrats were happy with the, in the, in the withdrawal of Afghanistan to put grown men with little girls, obviously bringing them here to be child brides. They were perfectly okay with it. We've not just had an issue with the invasion at our southern border. With, with what started out to be an invasion from South American and Central American com- countries and Mexico, we've also had an invasion of Islamists brought into this country through um, refugee programs, visas, letting them come here and you know study in our schools and our universities and then stay here. That's been an invasion that has been as detrimental to our country as anything that's taking place right now. Anything you want to add to that? Yeah, it's there. There's this myth that people in particularly liberal circles love to talk about, where they say, "Oh, you know, America should just be this sort of morally neutral cultural melting pot, and anyone who comes to this country is is really it's good for us because you know the invasion will enrich our culture." These are these are these folks are enriching our culture and making us better people for it. And it's like, yeah, and then and then they'll say, you, you know, diversity, you know, really is our biggest strength. And it makes me wonder, is it? I mean, no, like, is it's it really value and diversity? No, 
Like, I, I don't, I actually think that unity is, is something that you should strive for because we have, it's a, the, the melting pot only works so long as we all agree on a basic set of values and, and we had that. We to used live. to have, yeah, and we did. And we used, yes, we did. And it was American values and it was Correct. American culture and multiculturalism has destroyed that. And now what they want is unity around communism. They want unity through force. Not a shared set of values where you also have in the shared set of values that we had as Americans was that we, we had individual liberty and individual freedom. It may sound contradictory. Unity around American values. What the American value was is that we were free to think. We were free to have an opinion. We were free to pursue our own life, liberty, and, and pursuit of happiness without government interference. That was the American value uh, around which we were unified. And the left has done everything that they can for since this country's inception to try to destroy that and turn us into the very failed systems for which our founders fled. And in fact, here's a disturbing story today, Sesame. There is a poll that's out. Um, that's been shared by the First Amendment, it, 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 the group is FIRE, the First Amendment uh, uh, organization. And there's a new poll from the Foundation of, of Individual Rights Expression, FIRE. Uh, nearly a third of Americans, including similar numbers of Republicans, say that the First Amendment, quote, goes too far in their rights and guarantees. More than half agree that their local community should not allow a public speech that espouses a belief they find particularly offensive. And the fire chief research advisor, Sean Stevens, said those results are disappointing, but not exactly surprising. He went on to say here at FIRE, we've long observed that many people who say they're concerned about free speech waver when it comes to beliefs they personally find offensive. But the best way to protect your speech in the future is to, is to defend the right to controversial and offensive speech today. That's what our that's what our country was founded on. The we were unified around freedom, and now they want oppression. They want us in lockstep, and they and the message is loud and clear. You oppose them in any way, you express yourself in any way, whether it's you doubt the outcome of an election, you dare to say that you believe in traditional marriage between a man and a woman, you're a parent and you don't want your child mutilated and turned, you know, into into a, a freak that's been cut on that you, you know, don't deserve uh, to live in this country or you deserve to be thrown in the gulag and persecuted and prosecuted. Your thoughts on this poll, Sesame? It's incredible. I mean, it's just it's it's very disturbing. It's it's, it's it's because on one level, it's like people just forget what they're at. It's like people we've been so far removed from the American Revolution. People forget what it was like to have tyranny on our front doorstep where it was literally like gun to your head. We're going to censor you, silence you, throw you in prison. Thought crimes. Praying is a crime. And I guess that is in Biden's America with pro-lifers, at least. But it's just we're losing what makes this country exceptional and what makes it radically different than many other countries, every other country in the best way possible. And I don't know if people understand truly what they're asking for, because it feels like it feels like people call for censorship, hate speech regulation. Maybe this is what people want. Maybe censorship has been so pushed onto people. They've ingrained it and now they're censoring themselves and they want that. But 
if that's the case, I don't know how we can share a country together. I really don't. I mean, that's because it's all again, this all goes back to the fact that and this is something I just can't believe we even have to debate this. But our rights, including the First Amendment, comes from God, not from the Mm -hmm. government. So even if you don't like it, I don't think it's the role of the state to come in and interfere in what is really God's will. People can abuse the First Amendment, obviously. And sure, it doesn't mean you should be able to call to violence or whatever, but aside from a few exceptions here and there, we're made to speak and to communicate and to vocalize our thoughts. And um, I just don't like this idea of blowing up the state and just, just well, and, handing and our more First power Amendment to rights. them and just further margin. Right. Like it, it's not going to go and well many- for anyone. No. And, you know, many people have told me that they thought that our Second Amendment rights the most important. And I think, no, our First Amendment rights are the most important. Our, you know, our speech is what protects us mm-hmm. from which is why they're trying to control it. It's why they're trying to suppress it, uh, because they know that it's that, you know, control the message and you control minds. We talked about this last night in terms of the attacks on men. Uh, trying to turn men weak mentally, psychologically, and even physically, because there's no way that they can get all the guns that are out there. Um, But if they can turn Americans into weak, feckless, submissive people, then, Mm -hmm. you know, they, then they don't have to worry about us pushing back against tyranny um, through the second amendment. They don't have to, they don't have to worry. And if you look at this poll, look at the progress that they've made. A third of Republicans think that a speech should not be allowed in public if it holds a view that they don't like. That's just disturbing, incredibly disturbing. All right, we're gonna. I want to know what you guys think. Do you agree with that poll? Do you think that a speech should be banned somewhere in public because you disagree? Some of the some of the things that they that Republicans said that Jan Six was a peaceful protest and that whites are, are oppressors. I get that those statements are offensive. But people have a right to say it. Email me, andreacasio.com. All right, we're going to take a break. Final segment of this hour coming up. Andrea K. Telling you like it is while eating a donut, too. It's the Andrea K. Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. I'm going to switch gears into something that has to do more with mental health and and just technology and the use of technology. I and just I have friends and people that I know that are conservatives that are just they love AI. You know, I spent Thanksgiving with some of my favorite conservative people that left California, moved to Arizona, and they are hardcore conservatives. And you know, one and one of them did a poem for me and my girlfriend about our friendship using chatbot on, on, um, uh, I guess Google, whatever my, whatever chatbot is. And, you know, and it was a cute poem. Um, but you know, it, it, it's a tool for evil case in point. Um, there's an article out that, um, some people are recreating their deceased loved ones as artificial intelligence ghost and and it and it obviously raises some concerns one expert says that it's really worrying that these new tools might be marketed to people who are in a very vulnerable state people who are grieving and yeah absolutely the grieving process it's something we all have to go through in our life it's part of being human and i just think that this is it just terrible and evil on so many levels your thoughts sesame i i it's interesting cuz i used to be 
I'd say a few years ago, I was more interested in exploring what AI could be used for, if it could be used for anything beneficial. But it just seems time and time again, like it's 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 scary, powerful. It's it seems sinister almost. I don't understand mm-hmm. why, but it just keeps getting spookier and spookier. And I want less and less to do with it the more I figure out about it. So I I, I don't know, but I it's just funny. I used to be interested, and now I think it's just. I don't want to open Pandora's box. I really don't. I don't like this Well, whole you new have world to be of- careful. You have to be careful. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. You know, um, yeah. when I, you know, for example, I had my, my last Shih Tzu pickles. And when she got around, uh, you know, to a certain stage, it was clear she had a brain tumor. And I could have put her, there's all kinds of technology that could have cost me a fortune that would have put her through hell. And maybe I would have gotten a few more months. So, you know, just because you can, just because there's technology doesn't mean you should go there. You know, uh, this, this does, this stops people from being able to move on. There's seven steps to the grieving process. At some point you have to accept and be okay. It doesn't mean a hole isn't in your heart as long as you live without that person. Um, but, but it's, you have to be able to move on. We were designed to be able to move on and to be able to move past grief. And this does prey upon people. I felt the same way when I heard that there were people that were having, uh, a pet, stuffed literally like taxidermy like taking their dead dog and having it stuffed and i just thought that that was just insane to me i don't want to see pickles over in a corner stuffed i mean uh, you know it's it's just no you have to say goodbye and you know it's just and so much of this is about changing our culture and also about separating us from god I think so much of the use of technology today and the way these things are marketed are also an attack on us as Christians in this country. Uh, because as Christians, we understand the grieving process. And we actually believe that when, you know, if, 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 we, uh, if our loved one passes away and had accepted Jesus as their savior, that we're going to see them again in heaven. So we don't need to have a ghost of them walking around. So I think that so much of this and all of these tools, so, well, we all know that everything the left is doing is about trying to destroy and attack Christianity in this country. But I want to hear from you guys. What do you think about AI recreating deceased people? Email me at andreakshow.com. Download the podcast if you missed any part of this hour. And come on back because we got hour two coming up right here in a couple of minutes more stories to get into updates on the border crisis that's happening speaker johnson had a big meeting today what took place there we're going to share it all when we come back three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost and covers the facts behind this scandal flynn told the truth he was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.